welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you're doing great today and, and it's not raining where you are. My gosh, I woke up to thunder early this morning. Ah, in any event, uh, the phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, there is some breaking news we've got to get to out of the gate. The Biden administration is announcing it will release a million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in hopes of reducing gas prices in the country. This is notable for a couple of things, uh, a couple of reasons. Keep in mind that uh, this is going to have to be refilled at some point. Uh, Now, it it looks like, uh, according to the White House release, it'll be a million barrels of oil uh, on average a day for the next six months. This is to shore up global supplies because OPEC is not uh, increasing. There are a couple of points here that have to be made. First of all, the Biden administration said there was nothing they could do to lower gas prices. That is, uh, number one, you got to remember, they said there was nothing they could do, and now they're doing this. By the way, gas prices have started to come back down already, and now they're doing it. Why? They said there was nothing they could do. And keep in mind, it's got to be refilled later, which will curtail global supplies. Oil prices fell sharply Wednesday night after Bloomberg, Reuters, and others reported on Biden's expected announcement with the U.S. benchmark West Texas crude down more than 4% and the Brent crude from Europe seeing a similar drop. They told us this wouldn't happen. The Biden administration specifically said there was nothing they could do in the immediate short term to lower gas prices. When I pointed out a few weeks ago that back in 2008, when George W. Bush said we would start expanding drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, Democrats called me a liar. They said I was making it up. I had the data. I showed them. They said it was different. I was obfuscating. I specifically said that oil is priced on the futures market, even though it would take a year or so to get oil out of the Gulf of Mexico, by Bush signaling we were going to do it meant there would be available future supply, and oil prices did come down the very next day. Democrats said it was different then. We're not going to expand drilling in this country. There's nothing the president can do. The president now deciding that he's going to release a million barrels a day automatically, immediately caused prices to go down in the futures market because they know we're going to have extra oil in the future. Still above $100 a barrel. Imagine if the president were to announce more domestic drilling. Imagine if the president were to announce a fast track of approving the leases and the regulatory approvals for additional drilling. Think what would happen. And yet they've said there's nothing they could do. The environmentalists, of course, they're not happy. You know, the environmentalists, they wanted a shutdown of the uh, liquid propane uh, exchanges that are uh, on the Gulf of Mexico and along the Atlantic coast that will ship natural gas 
uh, and propane to Europe. They they did not want, uh, I said propane, it is natural gas, LNG exports to Europe. They do not want it. They're opposed. They tried to get the Biden administration to shut it down. They're not. Not only are they not, they're increasing oil production. Now, all of this, again, this is this is really important. You've got to keep the context in mind here. We are in March. Primaries have already begun. The election is in November. The NBC News poll has the Democrats freaked out. Freaked out. And there's other polling out there that has the Democrats genuinely freaked out. So they had to do something. Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats are are considering legislation that would end the gas, the federal gas tax. Now, the federal gas tax is important because we just passed the infrastructure package. And the way a lot of the infrastructure package is paid for is not just the federal government printing money to pay for it, but also uh, using the gas tax to pay for it because the gas tax goes to states with certain priorities for the states. The states get to spend that money on their infrastructure and on their roads. And so if you get rid of the gas tax, you don't have that money. This is the problem. Everything the Democrats do paints them in a corner. And now we're going to be in this situation where the Biden administration, having said there's nothing they can do, there's nothing they can do, now they're going to do this. Oh, but friends, it it gets better. It gets better. They are starting the genuine, true, real freak out. They're blaming the voters. When you blame the voters, it means you're losing. When you start saying uh, the problem's not us, it's the voters, you know you're losing. The Politico has a story out. We've got to stop fooling ourselves. Enthusiasm gap keeps getting worse for Democrats. Just listen to the open here. At the end of October, Republicans held an 11 percentage point advantage in voter enthusiasm. By January, it was up to 14 points. Now, according to NBC News, it's up to 17 points. The latest poll would be bad enough for Democrats, but it's the trend line that's especially grim, especially impervious to a series of events, including the State of the Union and the nomination of a judge to the Supreme Court. Now, let me scroll down because this is this is the, the key paragraph here. This is not an academic concern. Facing traditional midterm headwinds, many Democrats have already resigned themselves to losing the House. And Democrats saw what a high level of enthusiasm could do for their opposition last fall when Republican Glenn Youngkin upset Democrat Terry McAuliffe in Virginia's gubernatorial race and New Jersey's Democratic Governor Phil Murphy won re-election with a narrow margin. The party out of power, this year the party of Let's Go Brandon, energized by Trump's false claims that 2020 was rigged, don't you love that throwaway Bart line, is almost always more excited to vote. It's bad. Two-thirds of Republicans say they have a high level of interest in voting. Democrats say only about half of their voters are. The NBC poll wasn't the one-off. A political morning console poll on Wednesday registered a double-digit spread between the share of Democrats and Republicans extremely enthusiastic about voting. 
And then there's this at the bottom. I scroll all the way to the bottom. Kelly Dietrich, former Democratic fundraiser and founder of the National Democratic Training Committee, which trains candidates across the country. GD, man, it's so infuriating. It's easier to tear blankety-blank down than it is to build blankety-blank up. It's much easier to frame people who are actively trying to build and accomplish things as failing and incompetent than it is to provide your alternative solution. What I'm seeing, and from talking to people, is a little bit of this exasperation. We're trying to do the right thing here, but our society seems to have gone bat crap crazy. I'll say crap. He didn't. Started to say bat poop, but bat crap. You know what he's talking about. Blaming the voters. Our society's gone nuts. We're trying to do the right thing here, man. And they all hate us. The voters hate us. The, the voters hate you because you think you're doing the right thing, but you're screwing everything up. This is brutal for the Democrats. I mean, uh, th- this is captured by Axios. Let me read you the headline here. Democrats air anxieties after Biden's brutal NBC News poll. Now, Why? Why the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll? Why does that one have them so exasperated? There's been a lot of bad polling out there. There's been a lot of bad polling. Why is it that the NBC News poll is the one that the Democrats are suddenly freaked out by? What is the magic power of the NBC News poll? Well, the problem with the NBC News poll is that the NBC News poll by heart research and public opinion strategies is a particularly unique sort of poll done for the media. Heart Research Associates is a Democratic firm by a highly respected pollster. Public Opinion Strategies is a Republican firm by highly respected pollsters. So NBC News got Democrats and Republicans together to formulate the poll. And by the way, they've done this for a while. Bill McInturf is with Public Opinion Strategies. He's one of the most respected pollsters in the country across party lines, even though he is well known to be a Republican pollster. And Heart Research Associates, Jeff Horowitz, highly respected Democratic pollster. Republicans listen to Jeff Horwitt, and Democrats listen to Bill McIndorf. When Bill McIndorf and Jeff Horwitt, Public Opinion Strategies and Heart Research Associates, when they come out and they do a poll, that polling tends to be polling that everybody pays attention to. Not only that, they've been doing this poll for NBC News and the Wall Street Journal for a long time. They have data, they have history, and what makes them very unique is they release all the information. So if you think their polling methodology is wrong, you can look to see why. And people can't find the polling methodology being wrong. This is why the Democrats are particularly panicked. I mean, the Fox News poll has come out and it tends to lean Democrat, but the Democrats don't freak out now that it's suddenly become Republican. The CNN poll doesn't. It's the accumulation of all the polling together, and in particular this one, because of who the pollsters are. 
It's like when Stan Greenberg and James Carville come up with a poll, the Democrats pay attention to it. Moderate, this is from Axios, moderate and progressive Democrats, particularly in the House, are fearful of an electoral tsunami. They tell Axios they're unsure whether the party can repair the damage in time. People are extremely discouraged, there's no doubt. This is Representative Annie Custer of New Hampshire. Susan Wild of Pennsylvania, in a swing district, says it's always concern when the president's numbers are bad and you're in the same party. In my district, and I think in most frontline districts, you'll win your campaign because people know you know what work you've done, and they also know that I don't always vote in line with the party. Josh Gothheimer, leading moderate in the House from New Jersey, says it's an alarm bell for the common sense bipartisan solutions we should be focused on. The president talked about a lot of this in the State of the Union, and now we have to get it done. Democrats have got to talk about, one, that this is real and own up to it being real, and two, own up to having a plan to deal with the pressures of inflation, says Haley Stevens of Michigan. Mondaire Jones, a prominent progressive, says a substantial explanation for the president's relatively low approval is that Democrats are dissatisfied with the lack of, lack of progress we made. And see, there you go. The progressives are like, well, we got to be more progressive. That'll get our side to turn out. It doesn't matter that your side is going to turn out or not. What matters is that you've alienated moderate and independent voters. Joe Biden has a 51% approval rating overall with Hispanic voters. That's really bad for a Democratic president. It's brutal polling, frankly, for a Democratic president in this environment to have only 51% of Hispanics voted. What's worse, among black voters, 56%. It's unheard of for a Democrat to have less than 80% black support. Joe Biden has it. Among whites, it's down to 40%. This is not good. And now there's Mitch McConnell. Not exactly a ray of sunshine. Mitch McConnell, noted regular pessimist. He's spoken about their internals. Mitch McConnell rarely speaks about Republican internals. Now, you Democrats out there who don't know anything about politics and think you do. I get emails all the time from people who think they know more than they actually do. You Democrats out there say, oh, there's a trap. Mitch McConnell's just lying. He's trying to get us all depressed. He sees the pessimism out there and he's trying to make it more depressed. Y'all don't know jack about how Mitch McConnell operates. McConnell rarely talks about the internal polling of the Republican Party. He doesn't use it as a PSYOP campaign. He never has. And all of his time in Washington, D.C., going back to when Mitch McConnell chaired the National Republican Senatorial Committee, Mitch McConnell rarely talks about the internal polling of the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell has spoken, and he's revealed the internal polling of the Republican Party. It has Democrats pouring Pepto-Bismol. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious, that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet, but if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap, no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just, it, it's, it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bolin Branch makes high quality sheets and they're not a bajillion, majillion thread count either. But their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, and breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer. And they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on... 
gosh, maybe my second set of bowl and branch sheets in, in a decade. So they just hold up so well. They're a quality product and they give you such a good night's sleep. Oh my gosh. They're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets and I love bowl and branch. You can too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under bowl and branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Eric at bowlandbranch.com. That's B O L L. A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Get a good night's sleep under Bull and Branch sheets. That was called a tease, my friends, a tease to keep you standing by. Mitch McConnell has spoken about the internal polling of the Republican Party. It's bad for Democrats. And again, let me, if you're just tuning in here, uh, McConnell does not talk about the internal polling of Republicans uh, except in rare circumstances. It, Democrats, a, a lot of you out there, you're just going to tell me, oh, it's just PSYOP. He's trying to depress Democrats. He doesn't do that. He's never done that. He was the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee for a time. He did not talk about internal Republican polling, except in rare occasions. It's notable when McConnell speaks about what he sees in his private polling. According to Punchbowl News, McConnell said the best generic ballot number he's seen before this cycle in his internal polling had been R plus three on the generic ballot. R plus three. That would have been 2010. Uh, I know it was 2010 because McConnell references Christine O'Donnell and says, doesn't mean they'll, they'll actually pick things up because look at Christine O'Donnell, the quality of candidates matter. She was the candidate who said she wasn't a witch uh, in Delaware. Quality of candidates matters. Uh, R plus three on the generic ballot. That would have been 2010. Would have been a banner year for the GOP. It was a huge wave year for the GOP. It was the biggest realignment of politics in the country since 1894. Republicans won more seats nationwide down to the local level than at any time since 1894 and had R plus three in 2010 in the Mitch McConnell internal polling. It's R plus 10 now. R plus 10. It was plus three for the GOP in 2010. It's R plus 10 for the GOP in 2022. For perspective, this has never happened. It's early, and you're right. It can change. It can go down. But it can also go up. We've never seen this in American history. We've never, ever seen the Republicans with a 10-point lead on the generic ballot. This is where we are, thanks to Joe Biden. Oh, we'll get into that here in a second. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, I am going to to take your time for a, a personal moment here. Um, you'll just have to deal with it. Uh, Shaney B is leaving uh, my flagship station, WSB. Many of you are like, who? Uh, when I got started in radio, I fell into radio totally by accident. Uh, and my first week on the air at WSB Radio in Atlanta uh, was an ice storm. This is 2011. Terrible ice storm. I mean, the roads were just a sheet of ice. And I had a hotel room, and, and one night in particular, I couldn't get back to the hotel because the ice was just so bad. 
and it hadn't melted and I had to stay at the, at the building and sleep on a floor and through it all, helping me get through it was, was Shane Backler. And, uh, he had to run the board for me and, and show me what to do that very first week in radio. And then the next week I came back, uh, cause I hadn't been set up with a bunker or anything. And I had to drive back and forth about an hour or 15 minutes each way. And I was doing nine to midnight, 9 PM to midnight. And my board op, I forget the guy's name all of a sudden. Um, but in any event, wasn't Shane. And I didn't, I, I, the way they, they set it up is I can turn my mic on and off, but I can't throw to commercials or anything like that. I don't have the technology. And so I look at my board up who I had never met before. And I pointed to him to go to commercial break. It was like my physical act of pointing through the air must have sent some shockwave. And all I see is my board op, who they had assigned to get me on the air and to help me. His eyes rolled into the back of his head, and he fell backwards, never to be seen by me again. And there's no one I could call. I'm literally on air. It's sometime around midnight. I had filled in for Neil Bortz that day, and here I was that night. I was exhausted. I was staying at a hotel, and I had to keep talking because there was no way to go to commercial break because this guy literally had, had fallen backwards in the control room, and I didn't know anyone to call anyone, and there was a guy in the studio when I finally, they tried to go to the newscast at the bottom of the hour, and I'm waving frantically, and they run in and find the guy and get him out ted i think his name was and um so this guy named alan hunt rescues me and is able to get me to commercial break and the next week uh shane had to step in and take over and help and teach me the ways of radio and he was a phenomenal teacher that man can cut up audio and um cut up music all of my bumper music uh shane did uh, every single bit of it because i don't like to have the words play and he makes it sound like it's the song, just the music. And, and he's departing after today. And I would not have been able to get to where I am in radio without him. And want to use this time here on radio on a national show. It's something he always told me I would eventually get to. Here I am uh, to thank him uh, personally and directly for all the help getting me started in radio. And Godspeed to him uh, as he moves on. Now. We need to move on to the other headlines out there because there's a lot of them. And, you know, one of the things I keep saying over and over and over, y'all, I've just got to ask this question. How have the Democrats gotten so bad at politics? How have the Democrats gotten so bad at politics? And I've asked this question before. Where This isn't a, this isn't a repeat bar- broadcast, by the way. We're, we're not running old content here. I, I'm, I'm fresh and live today, and how did this happen? Uh, and I, I got to go back to this quote uh, from Kelly Dietrich, Democratic fundraiser, founder of the National Democratic Training Committee, read it in the first half hour. Uh, this is from Politico. It's the very bottom. It's how they closed out their piece. What I'm seeing... And from talking to people is a little bit of this exasperation. We're trying to do the right things here, but our society seems to have gone bat crap crazy. How are the Democrats so bad at this? Do you know what they decided to do? 
they decided to get Democrats in the Senate to vote on some really radical abortion politics measures. This is from John McCormick, National Review. When I recently asked Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona for re-election if the bill he voted for, the Women's Health Protection Act, would invalidate Arizona's parental consent law, the Arizona senator told me he didn't know. I think that's something you could, you know, reach out to the Congressional Research Service folks and find out, Kelly said. He did, however, express general opposition to parental consent laws, saying he would not be the arbiter of an age at which a minor could choose to have an abortion without her parents' involvement. What, her parents' involvement? Why not his parents, huh? You don't need an expert's analysis to figure out what's in the bill. You can read the bill. What the bill does is it eliminates any state law that requires a parent to be notified and consent to their child, underage child, having an abortion. Seventy-some-odd percent of Americans think that if your child is underage, pregnant, and wants an abortion, the parents need to be involved. And the Democrats voted to ban any law that would require parental notification and consent. Y'all, that may not matter in a place like California, but in a place like Arizona or Georgia, that matters. Raphael Warnock in Georgia voted to prohibit parents from being notified if their underage child gets pregnant and wants an abortion. But wait, there's more. The Biden administration claims that it's increasing a big spending buy for the Pentagon for next year. But defense officials say the Pentagon would see only a 1.5% real increase over last year's funding because of inflation. Defense spending will still be at 3.1% of the economy, close to post-Cold War lows and headed lower over the next decade. The Biden administration intends over the next decade to cut military spending even as Russia is storming through Europe and China looks ready to invade Taiwan. How did they get so bad about this? Y'all, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, you, you uh, understand this. And right now, I, I, I actually want to talk to, I know because I get the hate mail from them, the progressives who listen in. Want you to, I want you to hear me. You may think transgenderism, abortion, all the social issues you care about, that they're moral issues, that they're the right thing to do, that they're right to advance them, but you must understand that though you think they're right, they have political consequences that are harmful to your side because most Americans disagree with you. You may think that the country needs to move away from fossil fuels. Maybe you're right. But curtailing drilling to drive up gas prices during the midst of an economic meltdown isn't the smart way to do it. And herein lies the problem. 
so many of the big issues of the day, Democrats believe they're on the side of righteousness and the voters think they're wrong. And the Democrats have not decided to persuade. The Democrats have decided to bully. I, w- I want to, some of you will say I spend too much time on this issue, but it, it, it's the perfect, perfect example here. This issue of transgenderism right now in America, particularly transgender sports, that, that we just can't seem to get away from. The Biden administration today has endorsed transgender youth sex change operations, uh, top surgery and hormone therapy for children underage. They're doing that today. They announced that today. You may think it's the right thing. Now, you and I disagree on this, and that's fine. The point here is not whether you and I disagree on this. The point is that the Democrats' strategy here is not to persuade, but to silence, to censor, to bully others. It's very much the Democratic strategy now on climate change and clean energy. You're having to drive up prices on fossil fuels to try to get people to switch, and even then, most people can't afford it. And you say it's the right thing to do. You say it's got to be done. You say even if Congress doesn't pass anything, we must do this. It's the fierce urgency of now. Don't you love that line? The fierce urgency of now. They've got to do it. It's got to be done or else. The problem here is we're a democracy. As much as Democrats love to snap their finger and and stamp their foot and clap their hands and say, Donald Trump's an authoritarian. Actually, you guys are acting pretty authoritarian. Surprise. You're the ones acting that way. You're the ones acting the bully. You're the ones demanding the rest of us be quiet. You're the ones demanding Twitter turn our accounts off if we accurately point out Leah Thomas is a boy. I'm reminded of this uh, Scott Linscombe, who I follow on social media, great, great economist. He uh, has this P, he had this uh, tweet up. Where did it go? Um, about Ezra Klein. There's a uh, blog, The Money Illusion. And the headline of the piece is 100% of excessive inflation is due to bad monetary policy. And He says um, Ezra Klein has a must-read interview of Larry Summers. And it's his question, one of his questions is, quote, the single most revealing question I've ever seen from a reporter in my entire life. I want to read you the question. Now, keep in mind, this is a question. It's a multiple, it's three paragraphs long. Let me read you this. So I know you're a hard-nosed economist. This is Ezra Klein to Larry Summers. So I know you're a hard-nosed economist who looks at the numbers here. But I want to locate, I think, the emotional 
and to some degree even political frustration of this conversation because a lot of the dynamics you're talking about that then get framed as excess demand, there are things that just feel that many of us have wanted for a long time. More hiring, wage increases, particularly at the bottom end, stimulus checks for people who have had a lot of bad years and didn't have a lot of cushion behind them, child tax credit for families that could really use that. And so there's a lot of policies that came together. I mean, there was a reason the Biden administration wanted to run the economy hot. There was a long period when it didn't just feel the economic data showed that expansions were not reaching people on the margins. And it felt finally like we were reaching people on the margins. We were putting a lot of firepower to do that. But even in this terrible time, this horrifying pandemic, we were giving people who needed it quite a bit of help. And then for that to then turn into this horrifying inflation problem, which is now eating back those wage increases, potentially going to require much sharper action from the Fed. I recognize the world doesn't have to please me, but it's maddening. And I think one of the hard questions before we even get into Ukraine and China, I think one of the hard questions is, does it have to be this way? Did it have to be this way? Is there some way for this to end without the people we were finally helping suffering? He's a journalist asking this question. Here's what the reply is here. If anyone wants to know how we got into this mess, it's right there in Klein's question. Kudos to Ezra Klein for being willing to reconsider his view when new information comes in. But the passionate desire to run the economy hot is a misguided belief that it would help workers. It's precisely how we got into this mess. Klein asked Summers about the nonsensical claim that inflation is caused by corporate greed. Here's what Summers says. It's frankly ridiculous to take businesses saying on an earnings call that they have pricing power or some kind of evidence of perfidy. I just don't think that's supported by any serious understanding of how the business process works. And by the way, another way of looking at it is, again, to look at what's happening to wages. Wage inflation is as pronounced a phenomenon as price inflation, and we don't think workers have huge pricing power. Or another way to look at this is, a, is as relations in terms of what Amazon is paying its suppliers or what Walmart is paying its suppliers. Surely... If there's market power in the relationship between Walmart and its suppliers or between Amazon and its suppliers, the power is on the side of Amazon and Walmart, and they're paying much higher prices to suppliers. Progressives are becoming mugged by reality. They wanted progress. They decided they could advance abortion on demand, get rid of parental consent, advance transgenderism, heat up the economy, ignore long-term monetary theory and policy, ignore long-term economic policy, and they could give us finally the heaven on earth they've wanted. They could give us finally their hopes and dreams and desires as reality. What have we gotten? Russia invading Ukraine, a crumbling economy, sky-high inflation, high gas prices, and Americans feeling more pessimistic about the future than at any time since the 1970s. And R plus 10 on the internal private generic ballot polling of the Republicans. The Democrats are the ones who gave us all of this. And you know what? They're not going to learn a lesson from it. 
One of the groups fighting for conservatives out there, for you and for me and for our values, is Patriot Mobile, and I highly encourage you to use them as your cell phone provider. If you don't already, it's easy to switch. They can even move your phone number over, and you don't have to worry about their towers. They use the same towers the other guys do. In fact, you get to kind of pick. Do you want to use the towers like Verizon or the towers like AT&T? You pick, you move, your profits go to help the conservative movement, and you get great discounts. Whether you're a gun owner, whether you're a multi-line household, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a first responder or a veteran, you get a Patriot discount, a Patriot Mobile discount, and you get free activation for using my name. You go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You're working with a company that is explicitly designed to be Christians and conservatives and to support those causes. This isn't a gimmick for them. They actually are. They actually want to help. They need you to make that help. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, get ready now. Get ready because here's a headline. Corporate profits hit a new record high in 2021. You know, this is the Democrats' grand distraction here is to look at the corporate profits and say, ah, it's the corporations. They're the ones causing inflation. It's not really how it works. As Larry Summers pointed out, that's not really how it works. Companies complain loudly about rising costs for raw materials and labor, but they did increase prices as well. Now, why? This is the thing you've got to understand. This is the, like the Chick-fil-A model. Chick-fil-A doesn't like to raise prices all the time. What they do is they make adjustments over time, and then they raise prices. And they keep those prices steady. And in the first couple of years, they may make a lot of profits. But in latter years, they make less and less profit. And then eventually, they'll raise rates again. But they don't want to keep raising prices up and down all the time. This is what a lot of corporations do. They will pick a number of to increase the price. And at first, it looks like they're making a lot of money, but over time, they're going to make less and less profit on that price increase. And ultimately, as they're breaking even, they'll raise the price again. But they like to do this every few years, not every couple of months. That's why we're seeing this. The Democrats would prefer you ignore that fact. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.